thanks for dropping in with us. You're listening to the Moving Beyond Trauma Project podcast series we call Spiritual Conversations and Trauma Healing with spiritual facilitators, Judy Dragon, a trauma healing specialist and author. That's me. Hi, I'm Debbie Zeitz. I'm a Theta Healing Practitioner, a Reiki Master, and trained in other modalities. Our conversations are about trauma intelligence through the awareness of Theta Healing Technique, a non-dualistic healing modality. Gratitude for being here with us on this. Hi, everyone. I'm Judy Dragon. And I'm Debbie Zeitz. And we're going to talk to you today about parenting styles um, that create trauma awareness or trauma responses. And this is a really big topic because so much trauma comes from our early childhood and how we were raised. And depending on whether the parent or the parents are able to regulate themselves and bring discipline to their children in ways that help to bring skills forward that are healthy or whether they go into skills, or I wouldn't say skills, responses that create more of the same dysfunction is important to discuss. So Debbie, do you wanna talk about some of the styles that um, parents use? And just to say that both of us are parents and um, my children are grown and I have grandchildren and Debbie has three children that she's raising now. That's right, I have uh, three children in the house, uh, three teenagers, 16 year old and 13 year old twins. <laughs> Um, sure. So um, different uh, parenting styles. So um, one is the authoritarian. Um, and that's the very controlling um, where it's my way or the highway. Um, the parents are usually taught as being very strict and the children don't really have a say um, in the household um, Right. There's, and to add to that, there's usually means of disciplining through punishment. So that can range from verbal shaming or blaming or guilt to physical hitting or worse. Right. Or taking away, it could be as simple as, you know, taking away devices or putting grounding, uh, you know, it, it can be on the whole gamut. Right. Um, one of the other parenting styles is like, um, I forget the official name, but the, the doormat, right? What, permissive, I think maybe it's permissive, yeah. um, where the kids can pretty much do whatever they want. Um, the, the kids roll, you know, run the household. There is very little respect for authority and the parents. And, you know, when the parents uh, attempt to if they even attempt to set boundaries, um, very often they're completely ignored or not followed. Right, and then this leads to a lot of different uh, behaviors, uh, one of which is the children end up 
not knowing boundaries and um, that's on all levels. So that can end up with children that are entitled um, when parents overindulge. Uh, it could end up where uh, they become very bossy. So there's a lot of different ways that the child may actually act out when there aren't the guide rails. So, you know, it's like sending a child down the Golden Gate Bridge without any barriers or guidance to know how to get there. And uh, that can be very scary for children, um, even though the parent feels like they're giving them lots and lots of space and choices. But if a child doesn't know what those guidelines are, uh, how are they going to learn to navigate in their lives? Right. Um, so another parenting style is neglect, where the parent is really not engaged, doesn't spend much time, um, and, and it's just not a priority. And so it's not as if it's almost, I don't know, maybe a layer I don't know, lower than permissive, where they're at least trying to do stuff and neglect. It's just the parents are in their own little world and not really thinking about the kids at all. They're in whatever problems they're having, whatever work, whatever emotional issues are having, that's the priority. And the kids are, you know, not even thought of or just as an afterthought a lot of times. Right, and this can lead to so many extremely harmful experiences for the child, especially if the parent walks out for a long time and leaves the child by themselves or with other siblings. Um, which I've had many clients who that's happened to, the children don't know what to do. And some of them aren't even fed. So it can get into, you know, much deeper issues from that kind of lack of parenting. I don't even want to hardly call it neglectful because if the parent doesn't show up, there isn't any parenting. Um, yeah, I've actually um, seen it uh, called um, as... Um what was it, uninvolved, uninvolved parenting as a, you know, right. as another term to, from neglect. And then the last one is authoritative. And I think that uh, studies and science have shown that this tends to be the most effective method of parenting. And that's where um, the parents work with the children, they have a say in what happens to them, um, decisions aren't just made for them uh, in lieu of punishment, there are consequences. So it's not the free reign of the uh, passive parenting, but there's discussion around what the family rules are, um, what happens when rules are broken. And it's much more of a collaborative um, type style with the children. And of course that changes as the children grow and they have better understanding of themselves and others and relationship dynamics. And so, you know, the style will probably look very different when the child is very, very young, a toddler versus, you know, middle, uh, you know, middle school to the teenage as they're, you know, almost grown and, and flown, the parenting style uh, changes to adjust with that. Right. And that's the important piece with this. I actually call this style um, in the book that is being revised now, um, I call this the present orienting 
parenting because the parent is staying in the present, looking at the child's needs. What do they need in this moment? What, how can I adjust with them? How can we get the goal to um, be resolved? Or um, because usually if there's an issue that comes up, there's different ways that it can be handled. And in your case, what you were talking about, Debbie, was um, inviting the child in to those consequences or changes of behavior and letting them learn about how they affect the world and how they're affected by the world by having the right, not the right skills, but healthy skills that will guide them to feel safer in the world, which then will create a bigger capacity for them to um, have tolerance and uh, make good decisions. So I personally think this is a beautiful health, you know, style to work with. Do you want to share a little bit for you, Debbie, how it was like growing up with these different styles and what you use with your children now? Um, sure. Um, I, I would say that as much as possible, I, I try and use the um, the, the one that we were just talking about, the present orientating the authoritative. Um, and as an example of this, a couple of years ago, um, wanted to make the move out of California and sat down and we talked to the kids about this. We thought that maybe we wanted to go to the Pacific Northwest and we um, took a vacation up there to check out the sites and the kids kept saying, um, especially my daughter kept saying, what about Arizona, we, where you had come to visit a couple of times? And why are we looking here? Let's go to Arizona. So when we got back, we did make a trip to Arizona and everybody had a point and uh, uh, say in the matter, we found a house. And as a family, we decided to move um, to Arizona, of course. Um, they had, they had definitely had a say in it, right? It wasn't just a decision that I was saying, that's it, we're moving. Um, they, they, were a part of the decision-making process. So, you know what I appreciate about um, listening to you around this is part of the spiritual process, um, not just psychological, is to develop a child's intuition. And in how you worked with them, you let them, you know, get a feel for the area. That's, you know, intuitive development skills. And so in families that have that spiritual essence too, they're going to take that in because their children has, have a, a great deal of wisdom and awareness. And I know that your kids do in the conversations that we've had. So um, do, I mean, it may not be a cognitive spiritual awareness for them, but do you feel like you bring that peace for them when you work with them? Um, yeah, I would say to a certain extent, it's not always consciously out there. Mm -hmm. um, but one of my overarching is trying to realize that um, I'm trying to raise well-rounded adults that can think for themselves and can make good decisions and as part of a parent, it's to allow my children successes and failures as they're growing up so that they have that to build on. And that's based on their decisions, not my doctrine, not my views, 
on, you know, even spirituality uh, on that um, and allow them the freedom to go and research and make their own decisions and the ability to support them, even when it is not a view that I would necessarily hold to. That and is, as they've gotten into the teenage years, I can really see that um, coming to fruition on certain things where they can take ownership for their actions and how they really appreciate um, that parenting style in comparison to um, some of their friends. So in, in reference to that, how is that style that you're raising them different than how you were raised? Um, I would say that my parenting styles were very inconsistent. And I would say that the inconsistency went through the my way or the highway and neglect. Um, and there could be something that you um, would do one time and let's say you've done it five times and it's all been okay. And then the sixth time, um, you're in trouble for it, but you had no idea that you were going to be in trouble for it because it had never been an issue before. Um, how did that affect you? Um, you know, it was very confusing, right? Because you never really knew what you were going to get quote in trouble for get quote punished for. Um, and, uh, yeah, so my parents did believe in spanking um, and they getting whacked with a belt or a brush was not unheard of. I think through many of the generation that I grew up from, that was very common and that was seen as good and appropriate punishment. <laughs> um, and yeah, just a little bit uh, confusing. And then again, on the uh, neglect side, when I was kind of you know reviewing the parenting styles, one of the uh, memories that came very clearly is that my uh, youngest sister was about one, I would have been about four, and my oldest sister would have been five. And my mom went over to the neighbor's house, um, saying she's going to be back in a, you know, in a jiff about five minutes, and she was gone for, I don't know, well over a, a half hour, it seemed like a long time, um, but your kids, so your um, view of time is maybe um, not accurate, but my youngest sister who wasn't walking yet crawled from our house over to the neighbor's house and she crawled through a patch of cactus. And so she had all of the little cactus prickles, you know, in her and, uh, you know, coming back and getting in trouble for allowing her to go and do this. Well, we didn't even know we were supposed to be in charge of her. And, you know, maybe she did say that, you know, I was four. I, would I even know what that meant? I was off doing my own thing. Um, and, and, you know, I thought it was uh, maybe, I don't know, at the time, but looking back, you know, kind of ironic because she was probably more likely upset with herself and then not being able to emotionally regulate and then taking it out on us and putting us in the role of super of parent. Yeah. Wow. You know, to think that this happens so often uh, besides you know, this story that you shared that parents leave younger, ch um, little children in charge of even younger children where it's not their responsibility. And, 
you know, as you were sharing that, I remember having been the oldest in the family, I was often left in the position of taking care of my younger siblings. And I resented it. I didn't, I felt like I wasn't the parent and I would get punished if I said I didn't want to do it. And I was also um, told that my, uh, you know, things like going out and being with friends, that was taken away from me if I didn't sit for my siblings. And so, again, parents um, put certain responsibilities onto children that are not appropriate. They're not discussed in both of our cases, neither of the parents, you know, had a conversation saying, would you watch, you know, your siblings? It was like, no, you do this. And you were really young. I was a little older, but still, uh, they were, my siblings weren't my, um, my children. And I, I didn't feel like I wanted to parent them, but yet that responsibility was put on me. Yeah, and my cousin, um, who is a little bit younger than me, but was the oldest in her family, that happened a lot. Her mom decided to go back to law school and um, she was responsible for a very young age, taking care of the people and um, making sure that they got snack after school and dinner and all that. And, you know, she used to love to come to our house every summer because that got her out of that role. Right. And so they had to figure out something else. And it was like more freeing because in my house, there was two older people <laughs> older than her. Right. She didn't have any of that um, responsibility. And so, so very interesting. And I think very common. Right. And I would put that probably in that neglectful parenting and also also the authoritarian because the child is an ass. So we can see how some of these styles blend in and don't work for the child. Um, you may have mentioned something about your parents uh, disciplining you through the belt. And I, just to say that I personally feel that that is child abuse. Um, to, to discipline through violence only begets more violence. Some children, um, and I'm not saying you, Debbie, I'm just saying that in many times listening to people, they will minimize that. And um, because other people do that to their kids, well, this is what's acceptable, but the, then people don't tune in and think, how did that really affect me? And sometimes what I've heard is that the effect is not actually as much as the physical hitting, but when the verbal abuse comes in. So while they're being hit, they're being verbally abused and that is what lands in them more. So I find that really interesting, not that it isn't terrorizing to be hit with a belt. And though I have heard some of my clients say that they thought it was funny because they could see how um, dysregulated their parents were and they felt they became stronger because of that. So it's interesting, the beliefs that come into it, you know, depending on the individual, depending on how the individual's own virtues and attributes 
um, are, you know, come through them, what they bring into this life, not just from the, you know, the parenting, but I don't feel we're a blank slate when we're born I, or conceived. I feel like we came here for lessons and we chose our parents and they chose us. So there are things that we're working out together. So how do you feel about all that, Debbie? Um, I was thinking as you were saying all that, you know, what were my reactions um, and you know, whether or not I would consider hitting a spanking child abuse. And I, I don't know, probably. Um, but I think that at the time it was very much the norm and probably never should have been. And that my parents did better than their parents that did better than, you know, their parents, you know? And so it's hard to look back and say, um, I, I don't even, it's not to say that it's like wrong because clearly it's wrong to, to, in my opinion, to go and do that. And that's not a discipline style I would use for my children and a fact um, I try very often not to use discipline um, on, on things and to use more of natural consequences on things. Um, but yeah, I think that it's a different time now. And so it gets back into what are people allowed to do in their house for their children and not. And some of those beliefs that as a society that we have um, so I don't know that I would call child protective services on somebody if I knew somebody was spanking their kids. And now if they were beating them, maybe, um, but it's not something I would choose to do, you know, in my own household and for in my kids, because I do agree, not only does violence beget violence, but it also doesn't teach emotional regulation. Correct. And so for me, that's the, the biggie there is to, you know, I try and teach that all emotions are okay, but it's how you handle your emotions and, um, you know, lashing out to hit or to berate or to name call, you know, those are not appropriate reactions to um, emotions. And learning skills. And learning skills around that. Right. And to be able to say, I'm really angry and I need to walk away right now. Or, you know, I really feel like I want to hit you right now and uh, I'm not going to, but whatever, you know what I mean? Just to kind of talk through and address what their emotions are. Right. Um, called, um, actually, when you just said that, that's like called anger caveat, which means you're letting the person know you're feeling angry and that you're going to go take care of yourself. So those are actually real appropriate skills to let another know where you're at, where, what you're feeling and that you're going to take care of yourself. Right. So I'm not sure I directly answered your question, but that's what, as you were talking, was coming to mind for me mm -hmm. and some of my thoughts on it and how, you know, it gets into a really fine line in my mind between um, the power and beliefs of others to be inflicted into a, um, a certain family situation. You know, if there's, I don't know, religious beliefs or I don't know, bring out a biggie, your beliefs on 
you know, vaccines and whatever those are, you know, in addition to hitting, where's the line where one person says it's appropriate and another person doesn't because it's a different point of view. So for me, as much as possible on any of those things, I'm like, okay, you can go do you. (laughs) It's your family, your stuff. I don't necessarily have to agree to it, but those are not things that I am going to, I want to be able to make those decisions for myself and my family without somebody trying to put their beliefs on me and call it abuse. So this can, this topic could be really expanded because you brought up a few things in there. Right, right. And and so um, we want to be able to share just some of these points of views and kind of offer back to all of you an opportunity to think into it, feel into it, um, look at the ways you were raised that brought certain patterns and beliefs up for yourself and um, to, to actually ask you if these patterns of dysregulation and um, violence towards children occur in the family, how does that look as far as worldviews um, and how people deal with their needs, their feelings, and their connections? And we can see a pattern, and perhaps another time we'll talk about the history of child abuse, because that's very deep and dark. And this is where a lot of those patterns come towards children. So with that, we just leave you with an awareness that each of us is doing the best that we can as we raise our consciousness and move through this evolution of disclosures that is occurring in the world at this time. And we asked you to just feel into yourselves, check your heart, and know that we're all connected to that one energy of love. And thank you for joining us today. We'll see you soon. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Spiritual Conversations and Trauma Healing. Your healing really matters to us. If you liked what you heard, share or tell a friend about it. To subscribe to our mailing list, or if you want to join the conversation, you may do so on our webpage, themovingbeyondtraumaproject.org. Until next time, many blessings.